0: Welcome to The Lost Debate, a show for Political Eclectics. I'm Ravi Gupta, and this is a special episode. We weren't planning on doing anything this week, but I wanted to hop on and talk a little bit about what's going on at OpenAI. The breaking news out of today is that Sam Altman is, in fact, back after a five-day standoff between him and the board of directors. But let me take a step back. You know, recently when I was flying back, From India, I watched the Navalny documentary from HBO, which I highly recommend. And there's this harrowing, amazing scene in that documentary in which Navalny and his team are deciding whether to call members of the Russian security apparatus and try to trick them into admitting that they tried to assassinate Navalny. And before they start making calls, Navalny tells the story of what he calls Moscow 4. And In Navalny's telling there's this legend of an FSB agent uh, that opposition figures kept hacking in Russia. And they kept hacking his email. And apparently, and and this could be apocryphal for sure, but apparently this FSB agent, his password was Moscow1. Uh, And then when he was hacked, he changed it to Moscow2. And then he changed it to Moscow3. And then he changed it to Moscow4. Right? That's why they call it Moscow4. And the lesson from this, from Navalny's perspective is all these big, scary figures, sometimes they're super incompetent. And sometimes people could be evil and incompetent. Sometimes they could be powerful and incompetent. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately because there's just been so many Moscow 4 moments. There has been SBF, uh, there is uh, the WeWork bankruptcy, there's SoftBank, you know, this huge fund that seems to have made one bad bet after another, and in many cases, instigated terrible behavior from some of those people like SBF and WeWork. There's this new book, uh, I think it's called The Fund, about Ray Dalio and Bridgewater, the biggest hedge fund in the world, which is jaw-dropping in uh, just the amount of incompetence and weirdness um, and just rather unimpressive behavior coming from what is the biggest hedge fund in the world. There's the Binance, uh, you know, indictment. Um, and charges that just happened over the past few days there's even things like the Gaza attack and the IDF's uh, inability to be prepared for that there just seems to be ample evidence all over the place of institutions and leaders who are just not nearly as competent as you think they are and unfortunately for us some of these institutions are institutions that have a lot of power and control over either technologies or or uh, sort of norms and Barriers in certain cases that we take for granted. And so that brings me to OpenAI. This five day standoff started on Friday when the board of directors issued a kind of cryptic announcement that they were letting go of Sam Altman because he wasn't fully candid with them. They did not, the board did not, nor have they, as of this recording, indicated what exactly Sam Altman uh, wasn't ca- candid about. Um, and Sam Altman was the CEO of OpenAI. Um, this Uh, you know, played out throughout the weekend where um, Sam Altman, Greg Brockman, and other members of the OpenAI team basically started ruling out certain things, saying it it wasn't about financial malfeasance, it wasn't about scandal, et cetera. It just, it wasn't about safety. And so it was prompting a lot of us to say, well, what the heck was it about? And you just had a board that was completely silent. And then people started turning their attention to this board, which seemed like a, a strange collection of people. Like, there didn't seem to be a lot of people who had a lot of success in business. There seemed to be some, you know, ethicists and professors on there. Uh, and it also seemed that the board chair, who was at the time Greg Brockman, wasn't present for the meeting in which Sam Altman was notified that he'd been let go. All of this culminated today with a new board being announced and in re- in, in Sam Altman returning. This new board will include Larry Summers, Brett Taylor, who's the former CEO of Salesforce, uh, among others. And, and they're, expected to add as many as six members. Brockman and Altman will not regain their board positions. Uh, And um, the previous board in Altman's camp have allegedly also agreed to conduct an independent investigation into Altman's conduct and the decision to oust him last week and its aftermath. Important to note that this is a company slash organization, which I'll get to why I say that, with 100 million weekly users, a billion dollars in revenue, and one of the most important technologies of the twenty first century, and reporters have been rushing to figure out what is going on. Derek Thompson has a long article about why he thinks corporate governance is the real story here. Uh, Kara Swisher um, has been kind of you know working her sources, talking about why she thinks this was just an incompetent board that was over its skis. Uh, The media largely, I would say, including Swisher, have been really focused on the personality clash and the persona of Altman and himself and kind of treating this as a business story, right? This is a story of a company and a product and all that. But that's not my angle for this podcast. After looking at this, this is so much more than a business story. It appears to me that there's an important debate going on beneath the surface uh, about the pace of the development Of artificial intelligence the commercialization of it and the very idea of the profit motive in driving such a powerful technology like ai Uh, and so i think yes you could say that's a business story or not but there is a deep philosophical question at the heart of all of this Uh, and i do think you know to thompson's credit uh, i do think we should start with the structure because the structure is relevant to the philosophical discussions so, you know, others have done a lot of justice to this, but I'll, I'll give you a quick overview. The company was founded in 2015 by Sam Altman, Elon Musk, and others. Like they have some big name funders over the years, like Peter Thiel and Reid Hoffman. Uh, the charter of OpenAI said the following, and, and it's still on their website. It says, "Quote: OpenAI is a nonprofit artificial intelligence research company. Our goal is to advance digital intelligence in the way that is most likely to benefit humanity as a whole." unconstrained by a need to generate financial return. Since our research is free from financial obligations, we can better focus on a positive human impact. End quote. So their charter, their founding, was all about how this is going to be an open company and it's going to be financially in it's going to be independent of the profit motive. Now that is a striking striking set of words when you think about the past few days. Nothing about the past few days have been open, and everything has been about the uh, financial pressures on this company. People have been looking to Satya Nadella in Microsoft, employees who, uh, from what I can gather, some of them, if not most of them, have some kind of um, hybrid profit motive here where there's some kind of payout from the business side of this company. And and as a reminder, this is a nonprofit company with a for-profit subsidiary, which I'll come back to. This and and so the question is why is there a charter for a nonprofit organization that talks about being independent of profit motive and being open when it seems like this company has done neither of those two things and, and seems to be the exact opposite of those two things. Some of this lies in you know a sort of part of the genesis of this company in, in founding OpenAI, the most generous version of the story is that the people who founded this company needed more computing power, so they added this for-profit element. The writer Sam Lesson has called this structure of this sort of for-profit within the nonprofit as a turducken uh, company. Obviously, you know this is the sort of you know referring to the Thanksgiving turkey duck combination. Um, there has been a lot of acrimony in this company since the beginning. So, that, By the way, that's the most charitable explanation of it. The least charitable explanation of it is that the people who ran this company realized that they were sitting on a cash cow and were looking for any justification whatsoever to try to ream as much profit out of it. Both of those things could be true. But there's been a ton of acrimony in this company. Musk left the board in 2018. Um you know, he cited a lot of a lot of things over the years as to why he left. Um, some people say he didn't like the like that they were moving too slow. Uh, some, you know, Musk has subsequently said that he had issues with the for profit element of this. earliest Earlier this year, he tweeted the following quote: "Open AI was created as an open source uh, (parentheses), which is why I named it Open AI." Um, nonprofit company to serve as a counterweight to Google, but now it has become a closed-source, maximum-profit company, effectively controlled by Microsoft. Not what I intended at all. End quote. Now, everything about you know the sort of untrustworthiness of Musk and, and what he says aside the things he's saying are literally true. You know, it's basically what I just said. This was supposed to be an open company. This was supposed to be a nonprofit company, but now it's basically a subsidiary of one of the most powerful companies in the world, and it is anything but open. Um, and there, the issue here wasn't just Musk, right? There was a group of key staff members who left to form Anthropic, which is one of their competitors, and in part, they raised ethical concerns when they left. And to just signify just how not open and disingenuous some of the people who've started this company are, Um, you could look at the 990 form. So every nonprofit has to issue a 990 to the IRS. It's a form that essentially says what's been your activities over the past year. Uh, In 2016, so the first year they issued a 990, they wrote, quote, OpenAI's AI's goal is to advance digital intelligence in the way that is most likely to benefit humanity as a whole, unconstrained by the need to generate financial return. We think that artificial intelligence technology will help shape the 21st century, and we want to help build uh, a safe AI technology and ensure that AI's benefits are as widely and as evenly distributed as possible. Uh, we're trying to build AI as part of a larger community and want to openly share our plan and capabilities along the way, end quote. Two years later, when they filed their uh, 990, the commitment to, quote, openly share our plans and capabilities along the way was gone. Three years after that, the goal of, quote, advancing digital intelligence was replaced by, quote, building general purpose artificial intelligence. So this is a company that every step of the way has backtracked from their original commitments. And this isn't just an ethical problem. This is a legal problem. If I were the IRS, I would be looking at this to say, like, how is this still functioning as a nonprofit organization? There are huge questions. After the announcement that Altman was coming back, he posted on X the following, quote, I love OpenAI, and everything I've done over the past few days has been in service of keeping this team and its mission together, end quote. I would ask, what is that mission? Because the mission appears to be changing. And I think this is a particularly precarious situation because you've got a lot of things swirling around. You've got a a potentially very dangerous technology and powerful technology could do a lot of good. I'm not just, you know, I'm I'm not a Luddite about this, right? I use AI myself all the time, but um, we need to have a conversation about the intentions here and where everything is going, which I will certainly spend some time on in a second. Uh, the second thing here is that Altman is a very popular guy in Silicon Valley. People like him, and including the media, these people like Kara Swisher seem to be enamored by this guy. That makes this particularly dangerous because they're they're putting so much faith and trust in this guy to run this company. Who he may be a very well intentioned guy, but that doesn't mean that he has he fully has his arms wrapped around what's going on here. By all estimations, Altman is not an AI expert. I think he took like one AI course in college, and the one AI expert that uh, is, like, a prominent member of this team, or not the only, but, like, by all estimations, the most significant expert on this team was the guy who led this so-called insurrection, Ilya Satskever. So this guy appears to be... Uh, this is the guy who's like the chief scientist and co founder of OpenAI. He's one of the most cited AI scientists in the world, apparently. Uh, this guy seems to be like the Miles Dyson of Skynet, for those of you who've seen Terminator 2. And this would be like if Miles Dyson and Terminator 2 actually didn't need uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger to come back from the future and tell him that this technology was dangerous. It would be as if Miles Dyson himself uh, was making those pronouncements early in the Skynet days. Right, Because this guy, Ilya, has been saying over and over and over again to anybody who would listen how worried he is about this technology. And although we don't know for sure what happened internally, it seems to be a safe bet that he had some misgivings over the pace of the commercialization of this technology. Almost every smart reporter seems to be suggesting that. And in our show notes, we'll post this Guardian interview that Ilya did, and he does a couple of things in this interview that I think uh, should raise your eyebrows. One is he gives a list of what he thinks the risks of this technology are. He says we're going to see much more powerful cyber attacks. He says we're going to see AI weapons, and he says we're going to have infinitely more stable dictatorships. Um, meaning, like places like China, when you take all the technological advances that they have, when you put AI on top of this, they'll be nearly unstoppable. And this is uh, a theory that other really thoughtful folks on AI technology, like Noah, uh, you all know, Harari have talked about, which is like, you know, one of the reasons why the Soviet Union collapsed is because running a dictatorship uh, in the old days was really hard. But when you have more sophisticated technology, uh, you can the information problem of dictatorship is in many ways solved, and obviously the surveillance state becomes much more sophisticated. Uh, and in the same Guardian documentary, also Ilya gives an analogy to evolution, where he talks about like we can understand the basic mechanisms of uh, evolution, right? The um, the you know the natural selection, acquired characteristics, right? Uh, but you know, reproduction of the fittest of sorts, right? Or the you know, survival. I guess depending on who you talk to, but I think reproduction is the is the most updated way to talk about that. And but you don't know where it's gonna go. Like if you had, if you had, if somebody had explained to some omniscient being at the beginning of the evolution of life on in this universe what the mechanism of evolution was, they couldn't have told you that the eyeball would be created, for example, something as complex as that. But they could tell you how it works. That's what Ilya, who by many accounts is one of the, if not the smartest most experienced AI technologists we have today is what he's saying about AI, essentially saying those of us who work on this know the mechanism, but we have no idea where this is going. And when he pairs that with things like we're going to have more capable cyber attacks, AI weapons, and more infinitely stable dictatorships, that should concern us, especially when the guy risked it all last week and tried to take down Sam Altman. Right? There's been so much focus on this incompetent board, but not enough focus on this one guy who seems to be by far the most important guy within this company. So that's my question. If I were Congress, I'd want to talk to Ilya. If I'm the media, I'd want to talk to Ilya. And what made things even more strange is that Ilya wound up signing a letter over the weekend uh, that staff members had written Asking for Sam Altman back, and he, Ilya apologized, saying he made a huge mistake. Now, what I would want to know was: was this truly a mistake, or was Ilya saying true things? But there's so much financial pressure, so much pressure from these staff members who, again, may have a profit motive here. But also, even if they didn't have a profit motive, they could just really like Sam Altman. They could like the direction of the company. But the one guy who knows the most about this technology uh, has misgivings over it. Like, for instance, I wouldn't, you know. If, if the employees of Skynet or the employees of Jurassic Park, to me, although important stakeholders are not the only stakeholders, right, like sometimes those people are blind to where things are heading, right? So I have a lot of questions about that, but let me let me just detail for you the big questions I have. One is, what was the disagreement exactly, and why won't the board be specific? They said Altman was not specifically candid. Well, what's going on, Right. Um, I'll quote to you an Atlantic piece from this morning. Quote, among many other colorful details, my colleagues Karen Howe and Charlie Wartzel reported that the board was irked by Altman's desire to quickly ship new products and models rather than slowing things down to emphasize safety. Others have said that their hand was forced at least in part by Altman's extracurricular fundraising efforts, which are said to have included talks with parties as diverse as Johnny Ive, aspiring NVIDIA competitors and investors from surveillance, happy autocratic regimes in the Middle East, end quote. That's interesting. Well, what surveillance-heavy autocratic regimes and investors from those companies are investing with Altman's uh, potential chip-making technology company, and is that tech chip company um, some kind of conflict with his work at OpenAI? Because you know we got mad at Adam Newman, for example, for licensing the We brand back to WeWork in part because when you ever you do something really related to the company that you are working on. Most sensible boards of directors and companies prevent you from doing that. So, to the extent that this rather, you know, I would say, uh, puzzling and probably incompetent board probably reacted in a way that almost every board has done, I think what separates them from other boards is just the lack of transparency they've used and, and lack of competence they've exercised in service of their fiduciary duty and in the case of a board it's beyond a nonprofit board it's not just about fiduciary duty it's about the mission of the company uh, and about financial controls Um, the second part here second question I have is what criteria did this uh, I I would say board but this the old board is resigned so whoever chose this new board questions about that was it Microsoft for example who chose this new board Um, who chose this board and what criteria are they using so Larry Summers You know, being one of the first names announced stuck out to me because there are a few people on this planet who've carried more water for more powerful people than Larry Summers. I don't really need to go into this. You could Google him. This is a guy who thinks about the powerful. He thinks like the powerful. He is powerful. He's a former treasury secretary, um, and his record there was way less than stellar. Um, He presided over Harvard University during a period of some of the deepest entrenchment of some of the worst practices that Harvard's ever had. Um, And the guy's been more wrong about more things than probably anybody but Jim Cramer. So why is this guy on this board? Well, it seems like he's probably carrying water for somebody. I would want to know who that is. Um, My other question is just what is the role of this board? It seems to me like it's probably going to be a rubber stamp for Microsoft and for other powerful investors and interests here, potentially even Sam Altman himself. I would want this spelled out clearly. Um, Another question here is, why does the IRS allow this structure in the first place? I've run a lot of nonprofit organizations. I've never heard of anything like this before. How is it possible that you could run, you know, Elon Musk asks this question pretty succinctly. How is it possible that a nonprofit open company became a closed for-profit entity? I would wanna know. The the IRS should have jurisdiction to investigate this. Uh, My biggest question here though is, is there a plan you know in artificial intelligence there's this concept called the alignment problem meaning like are the people who are creating the technology fully aligned on what it is they want to get out of this technology because we should have no faith that there's a con- coherent set of values that open ai or any other company is using to guide this technology and even if they were aligned there's no guarantee that they can control this technology right the, the past 5 days make it clear there's no alignment here And I would want a super transparent conversation over what the values this company is espousing are because um, the last set of values that they espouse, which is in this manifesto, and then in their first 990, seem to be gone. What have they been replaced by? Just straight up profit motive? I would want to know that. Um, A couple other questions I have here is, you know, is it, uh, is Microsoft buying preferential treatment here? Like if you remember two weeks ago, I interviewed Sal Khan who had early access to GPT-4 and that's a nonprofit organization. That's a good use of, of the open AI nonprofit is to, oh, let me seek out the biggest nonprofit educational institution in the world, give them access to this uh, API earlier than anybody else and access to this technology so they could develop this. But now you have Microsoft who's bought into this company and now by all estimations is going to have early access and deeper, more privileged access than you, me, or, you know, the international committee of the red cross and all likelihood or whoever else. Right. Is that right? Like it, should a nonprofit organization, you know, be able to be bought by a for-profit company like that. Um, And so those are, I could go on, but those are my questions. I would say that, you know, as, as, nice and cool as sam altman is and as powerful as microsoft um is uh and as much as people love this technology there are tons and tons of warning signs here you have the anthropic founders who left open ai citing the concerns that they cited you have musk who walked away you have Ilya, uh the chief scientist behind this you know miles at skynet right the sort of bearded dude from jurassic park saying hey this is a serious serious problem here and he thought it was serious enough to put the brakes on this company that he helped found you have the board of directors though as as hapless as they seem to be they seem to have concerns uh, and then you have this massive glaring divergence from the nonprofit mission like there's just warning signs everywhere. Um, one other thing I want to point you to is this Economist article uh, that is framed as the doomers versus the boomers, and it talks about how there's a split right now, philosophical split within Silicon Valley, uh, and there is the, the so-called doomers who want to slow down the technology and keep it in as few hands as possible. It seems like Dario, the guy who left OpenAI to start Anthropic, is one of these people uh, and then you have the boomers, which are also called effective accelerationists, um, who believe that we should, and people like Mark Andreessen are people like this, um, who believe that the AI should be allowed to proceed unhindered and it actually should be speeded up and should be open to more. Uh, and that's the sort of split there. And actually, this Economist article, I think, raises some interesting questions. And I think it gets to why this is. there's no easy answer here because there's a regulatory capture issue here because some of the doomers are the winners right now. The people who are saying, let's slow this down, let's keep it in as few hands as possible, are actually the people who've already captured some of the market. And so we need to be careful to say, like, all right, there's there are people who just generally do seem to have concerns here about this technology, but then there are others who – uh, can benefit from the regulatory capture here. Who could build walls around this technology and keep it out of as many hands as possible, and they get to be the beneficiaries of it? Now, that could just be the price we pay to uh, prevent the, you know, the unchecked proliferation of this technology. But uh, there is a massive risk to including this in so many people's hands. Now, the accelerationists could be, you know, if if they're right, then they're saying, like, look, let's just open up the API, let everybody to build. You know, as many versions of this as possible, build their own apps on top of it, etc. Um, it seems like the Biden administration's executive order is um, a little bit tilted in the in in favor of the Doomer's argument. It seems to, you know, these, they basically seem inclined to want to put some brakes on this technology and slow things down and prevent it from getting into too many people's hands. Uh, and so, That's the debate here, which which makes it really hard to decide what to do here as a sort of average citizen. But what I would say is, um, the big message for you at home is that we can't stop this. Right? There's nobody's going to come to the rescue. Congress, you know, we have octogenarian and septuagenarian senators and president, and in all likelihood, next president, people who don't understand this technology. I mean. Look, I'm half their age. I don't understand this technology. Most people I know who even work with in the space, I have friends who work at this company, don't seem to understand this technology. I'm not convinced Sam Altman understands this technology. Ilya probably does, and he's the one who's the most concerned. right? So we're probably not going to stop this. We're going to have to adapt. So if you're listening, let find a career where you could either be you know, at the 1% of the beneficiaries of AI or one where you're as immune from this technology as possible, maybe working with your hands or building community and personal relationships, et cetera. Sorry to be so doom and gloom. Uh, That is my take on this open AI situation. Obviously, there seems to be some good news on the ceasefire front. Uh, I don't have much to say yet about that. I want to monitor that over the course of the afternoon to see exactly what happens here. But obviously, I am watching that intently. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody.